Road to Life. We love you. We're so glad to be back together on our podcast. We're here with Pastor Mike Shepline, and we're going to hear the message from Sunday where you can be inspired through the Word of God and maybe even a funny story. For more information, visit RoadToLifeChurch.com, and we'll see you next week. We've been in a um, a series, and the title of it has been Valley of Blessing. And when you, when you use that term, it's, it's kind of a play on words, but it is, I believe it's a biblical term, and we'll see that it is, is that, you know, in life, they, there's a term that they used in the Bible, but we also use the same term. And when somebody says to you, somebody says to you, oh, I'm on top of the mountain, they're in, what they're insinuating is life's going really good. How many of you know what I'm saying? There's like life's, but then when it, somebody says to you, oh, I'm in the valley, or I'm down in the valley, the insinuation is, is, you know, life right now is maybe challenging, it's difficult, we've got, I've got something going on um, in my life. And what we found out over the, um, last week we had Luke, didn't Luke do a great job last week talking about fear, but, um, but we've been talking about that God wants to adjust our perspective of valleys in our life. And when you, when, when you use that statement, when I make that statement, there's something about life that we think that it should only be mountaintop experiences, but when you read in the Bible, what we clearly see is that God has a plan in every mountaintop experience, in every valley experience, and he wants to change our perspective of valleys to, you know what, this might be, I might be in a difficult spot, but God is with me and he's going to turn this to a blessing. He's going to turn this to something that is good in my life. See, the redemptive plan and purpose of valleys in my life. Every area of our life has mountaintop experiences, and every area of our life has valley experiences. You say, you know what? I just got the greatest job. It's my dream job. I am so excited. You're in a mountaintop experience, but understand it will change. How many of you know what I'm saying? You will have some, you know, you say, oh my gosh, I have found the girl of my dreams and she is absolutely perfect. Or I have found the dude of my dreams. They're perfect as a mountaintop. Understand they have stinky feet too. How many of you know what I'm saying? And so you will, there will be about, you will have some, there will be, you know, and, and so what it is, is one of God's goals in our life is to teach us that he's faithful when things either aren't fair or they go wrong in our life, that God is faithful. Valley moments or valley seasons in our life have a divine redemptive purpose because anybody can be excited about life when everything is going great but it takes faith to be excited about life when you're in a trying season or you're in a difficult spot. And what God wants to do is he wants to teach us to live by faith in our life. We're all going to go through valleys. We're all going to go through difficult situations. But what God wants us to do is to learn to trust him in both of them. I find this, that in mountaintop experiences, we need to remember that it all came from him. 
We need to remember that everything in my life, it's because of the goodness and the grace. Every talent I have, every skill I have, it came from him. But in valley experiences, what we need to remember is that God is with me, his favor is on me, and that he's leading my life, even if it's a difficult spot. And so one of the things that God does when we go through valleys is he, his goal is to change our perspective. Staying with God always allows him to change our perspective. I am not a prisoner of what has happened to me. I am not a prisoner of my past. He wants to teach me the, what I call the but God factor. There's a but God. Okay, this has happened. It's not good. I didn't like, but God is with me. It's, a, it's, it's, a, it's the but God factor. And we see this in the Bible, whether we look in the Old Testament or the New Testament. You can go all the way back. You can start with Abraham and Isaac. You can go to Moses. You can go to Joshua. You can go to Caleb. You can look at David. You can look at anybody in the Bible. And what you see is that if there is a but God factor, all of them had mountaintops, but they also all had valleys. You can jump into the New Testament. You can look at Jesus. You can look at um, Peter, James, John. You can look at Stephen. You can look at Paul. You can look at Timothy. They all had them. See, perspective is everything, and perspective is the predictor of my choices. It will predict my choices. I can tell what your choices are going to be by your perspective or the way you look at things and the way that you see things. You know, in Numbers chapter 13 is the account of um, if, you, if you've not read the story, I would encourage you to read it in Exodus. But by the time Numbers rolls around, what had happened is the children of Israel had been in um, Egypt for 400 years. Valley experience, 400 years. I don't think anybody here has been there 400 years. You know what I'm saying? But it was, a, it was difficult for 400 years. And they called out to God, and God said, I'm going to lead you out. And he said, I'm going to bring you into a land that is better than you could ever imagine. You're going you're gonna to reap fruit that you never planted. It is going to be a better life. And so what happened, though, and what we see is that their perspective, they were not willing to change it. And if you look, what happened is, is they came right to the edge of going into this land and, and God basically directed Moses and said pick 12 spies out of the 3 to 5 million people and I want you to send them into the land and then they're going to come back and bring a report to the rest of the 3 to 5 million people that if it's as good as I said it was and so sure enough the 12 spies go in and they look and the fruit is exactly what God says the land is exactly what God says but they added this one thing, and that was this, is they noticed that the people were big. The people were armed. The people were stronger than they thought. And so what they did is, is they basically, their perspective determined limit, the natural limitations on their life. They said this. They said, yeah, sure, it's what God said. But then they said this, but we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so we were in their sight. And what turned from a 40-day journey to get into this place, because their perspective of what they saw was wrong, it delayed them 40 years. 
40 years from going in. And see, that what we've got to simply understand is our perspective brings natural limitations to our life. It brings natural limitations to our life. And it stalled them for 40 years. You know, if you look at Peter's life, you remember he was with Jesus for three and a half years, and he said, I'll never deny. And Jesus said before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. And I think many of us remember that story. And Peter said, absolutely not. They will all but not a moi. You remember the story. And, and sure enough, Peter denies Jesus. And, and the Bible says the rooster crows, and Jesus looks at Peter in the courtyard. And it says he immediately remembered, and he went out, and he wept. But you know that after the resurrection, and I think it's Mark's account, I love this, after Jesus was resurrected and the, the, the girls saw him, the angels said, go tell the disciples and Peter that I am alive. You say, why would God do that? Because Peter made a mistake and Jesus wanted to let Peter know that his perspective of him hadn't changed, that he still saw him, he still had a plan for him in his life. When it comes to going through valleys, which we all do, one of the biggest things that we face is fear. Fear. Fear, if you think about it, fear tries to grab our perspective and the steering wheel of our lives. And oftentimes, when fear grabs the steering wheel and it affects our perspective, we make poor decisions that many times we have to circle back and correct them later because it was not a good decision. Fear made that decision. And so we have to deal with it later. God is wanting to turn our valleys from just a valley to a valley of blessing. And he wants us not running from valleys. He wants us not not afraid of valleys. He doesn't want us hiding from valleys. But what he wants to do is he wants to give a perspective that he is the God that will turn them. We all have valley experiences. We all have valley emotions. But God wants to keep them to, from becoming a valley outlook and a valley mindset within our life where we don't begin begin to look at life through that experience and that thing and, and that. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to look at a guy by the name of Jehoshaphat. Everybody say Jehoshaphat. How many of you are grateful your parents didn't name you Jehoshaphat? It's, but um, Jehoshaphat in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. But before we do, I want us to look at the context of this story about what's going on. Many times what we do is we'll just start reading a story, but we fail to see the context. That when the Bible was inspired, it was one continual letter. It was not broken into chapters and verses. That was later put there for us so that then we could, when we were talking about it and learning from it, we would have a point of reference to go back and say, oh yeah, it's in the 19th chapter or oh, it's in the 20th or it's in the 5th chapter of Second Chronicles. And so I want to just read, Jehoshaphat was the king of Judah at this time. 
And it says in 2 Chronicles 19, 8, we're going to start reading, and you're going to get a vibe and a feel for Jehoshaphat as a person. It says, in Jerusalem, Jehoshaphat appointed some of the Levites and priests and clan leaders in Israel to serve as judges for cases involving the Lord's regulations and for civil disputes. These were his instructions to them. You must always act in a fear of the Lord or have a reverence for God with faithfulness and undivided heart and an undivided heart. Whenever a case comes to you from fellow citizens in the, in an outlying town, whether it's a murder case or some other violation of God's laws, commands, decrees, or regulations, you must warn them not to sin against the Lord so that he will not be angry with you and them. Do this and you will do this and you will not be guilty. Verse 11, Amariah, the high priest, will have final say in the cases involving the Lord. Zebediah, the son of Ishmael, a leader from the tribe of Judah, will have the final say in all civil cases. The, Le the Levites will assist you in making sure that justice is served. Take courage as you fulfill your duties, and may the Lord be with those who do what is right. Now, let me just state the obvious right now. It's pretty obvious Jehoshaphat was a godly man. Can we all agree on that? Jehoshaphat, I mean, think about this for a moment. He's the, the king. He's basically giving them directions as people come to court. How many of you think our court system could use a little help from Jehoshaphat? Just a little help. Uh, it, it, you know, or maybe our president. How many of you know what I'm saying? Could just, just, but what I want you to notice is this, and I want to make this really, really clear, is Jehoshaphat had a reverence for God. Jehoshaphat loved God. Jehoshaphat, we could say this, Jehoshaphat is in a good spot. Now, I want to continue reading into chapter 20 because remember, there was no division when it was originally inspired. It was one con con congruent letter. Now, look at what it says after this. After what? After Jehoshaphat did all of this, it says, after this, the armies of the Moabites, the Ammonites, and some of the Munites declared war on Jehoshaphat. Messengers came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army from Edom is marching against you from beyond the Dead Sea. They are already at Hezazan Tamar. Now, I want to just jump, if we could, ahead to the 24th verse, and let's just start reading. It says, so when the army of Judah arrived at the lookout point in the wilderness, all they saw were dead bodies lying on the ground as far as they could see. Not a single one of the enemy had escaped. King Jehoshaphat and his men went out to gather the plunder. They found vast amounts of equipment, clothing, and other valuables, more than they could carry. There was so much plunder that it took them three days to collect all the booty. How many of you know, I didn't say, I didn't say booty there, but I put booty in there because you know, how many of you know what I'm saying? I mean, it took them three days to, get, to collect all the bling. How many of you, now let me just say something right now, is how many of y'all know I like that? That, that we read verse 1 and verse 2, and we jumped to verse 24. God showed up. It's, look at what it says. On the fourth day, they gathered in the Valley of Blessing, which got its name that day because the people praised and thanked the Lord there. It is still called the Valley 
of blessing today. What I want you to notice is this, is they loved God from out of nowhere. They're doing the right thing and they were attacked. God showed up. He kicked the t- he kicked tail three days to collect the blessing in what looked like certain defeat. Isn't that a nice account? Isn't that like, oh, I like that story. Come on, that's not a trick question. Isn't that a nice account? That is just like, oh, how many of you would just like it to be like that? Show up, kick booty, four days collecting, move on. How many of you know what I'm saying? How many, I mean, I would just be like, oh, this is like, this is what it, it, that is really a nice account, a bummer that turned really, really good. But we sped over the actual account. We like the outcome, but for the outcome, we need to back up and we need to glean what I'm going to call application truths from what happened and apply them to our lives. We skipped about 21 verses, and in those 21 verses, God unpacks some powerful principles. I'm not saying you do exactly this, but what I'm saying, we need to learn from the spirit of what they did and apply it to our life. In Romans 15, 4, it says this, and they they don't have it. I didn't give it to them. But it basically says everything that was written before then in the Old Testament, it was written for our example that we would draw encouragement from the scriptures. We would draw encouragement from the situation. We would draw insight from what is going on. And so realize, number one, first is they loved God. They were minding their own business. And this came out of nowhere. And I'm, this is not a point, but I'm going to make this statement. We must get past this fairness thing when it comes to valley experiences. We have got to get past, oh, you know, this, is, this isn't fair. This isn't right. Sometimes unfair things happen to people that are not fair. Get past the unfair thing and realize God is with you in that unfair situation. God is with you in that valley experience. When we're facing scary things, we're facing fearful things, it's part of the human experience and no amount of faith is going to exempt us from going through this kind of stuff in our life. I wished I could stand up here and tell you that if you grew your faith strong enough, you weren't going to have to put up with junk. Understand this, junk has a redemptive purpose in God's plan for your life. It has a redemptive purpose. We need the beginning and we need the end of this story because God took them from the valley of fear to the valley of blessing. He took them to where, and we're going we're gonna to see this. We all want to end up there, but we've got to pick up the walked out experience and apply the principles to our life. And so let's put ourselves in this situation and apply the principles we see to our lives. I just feel stirred right now. And I want to just ask how many of us right now are, you're kind of in a valley experience right now. Just put your hand up. That's okay. Don't be, you know what I'm saying? I want to, I want to just pray for you right now. If you say that's, that's me right now, I just want to pray for you. Just put your hand up. Lord, I thank you for each and every person right now that's in a valley experience. And Lord, I pray that their awareness of you is stronger than in any other time in their life. 
that, Lord, you're going to use this in a very positive way and that their faith is going to go through the ceiling. Lord, I pray that you touch their perspective, that their root system of what they believe is coming from you. It's coming from your word. It's coming from, Lord, their experiences of what you've done in their life in the past. God, I thank you for your, your faithfulness. And I pray today that they're encouraged and lifted. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You know, I want to just pick up, we read verse 1 and 2, and we read that the Munites and the Ammonites and those people came against them. But I want to pick up verse 3 because it, it, it really begins to unpack some things. Look at what it says in verse 3. Jehoshaphat was terrified by this news and begged the Lord for guidance. He also ordered everyone in Judah to begin fasting. What I want you to notice is the words, he begged the Lord for guidance, or he begged God to guide him. Understand that when we go through a valley experience, we all want God to just do it. And there are times he will just do it. But he wants our heart open to his guidance. There's a big difference between God doing everything and God guiding you and you working with him in the situation. See, sometimes in our life, especially in the Western world, is we have a rapture mentality. God, this isn't there. This isn't right. You're a just God. Take care of it. Wake me up in the morning. How many of you know what I'm saying? But God is saying, I need you to adjust right now your heart that you are open to me guiding you as you're going through this situation. You don't just have, I'm the God of miracle faith, but you have the God of, I'm with you, I've got you, and we're going to take one step after another until we overcome this, and this is going to have a transformative effect on your soul. It's going to change the way that you see life. And this is number one. While facing fear, he saw God's guidance as the answer. God's guidance is my answer. God's word is my answer. God's direction is my answer. God, sometimes, and, and, and let me just be really, really clear. I am the type, if you were to ask me, naturally speaking, and I don't think I'm very different from most of us here, that if there's two lines and God said, do you want me to guide you or do you want me to just step in and fix it. I am the step in and fix it guy. How many of you know what I'm saying? I am the one that just says, Lord, you know, you can deal with those people over there, but Lord, I'm the fix it guy. Just fix it. Just fix it. Lord, I'd like some tea. You know what I'm saying? Give me a nice big, you know, like raspberry tea would be awesome with a slice of watermelon and then wake me up in the morning when it's taken care of. How many of you know what I'm saying? But God is like, excuse me, there's going to be times that you have got to be both. There are times and we got to have faith that God is going to do it, but we've also got to have faith that Lord, you're going to do it. I don't know how you're going to do it, but I 
know that you're good and I know that you're faithful. And I also know, God, that you are a guider, that you're going to guide me. You're going to guide my thoughts. You're going to guide my steps. You're going to guide me because it is a partnership with him. It isn't he does everything. It's I do my part. He does his part. And it turns out really, really good. But if, but if we've got this heart when we're facing fear that, God, you're just going to take care of everything, that is not what, that's not what Jehoshaphat said. Jehoshaphat begged the Lord for guidance. He begged him, and he said, God, I want you to guide me, and wherever you lead me, I'll do the right thing. God, I'm open. I'll just put it like this. Lord, I'm open to do whatever you want me to do in this situation. Notice, not rapture me out, but Lord, I'll follow you while I'm in it, in the midst of it. This is huge in our life. God can rapture us out, but many times he's wanting to lead us through the situation. And when he does, it totally transforms the way that we think, the way that we think. I have been through some stuff that I did not want to go through. Thank you, honey. How many of you have been through stuff you did not want to go through? But when you went through it and you came out of it on the other side with God, you're like, I wouldn't trade that for nothing. Because of what it did in you. It changed you. You, you, all of a sudden, you know, we all want, Jesus talked about resurrection power. We all want resurrection power. But resurrection power happens when something dies. We don't want to die. Lord, I don't want to go through no death experiences. God's like, I thought you wanted resurrection power. Well, yeah, I do. But I don't want to go through an experience that I actually got to depend on it. How many of you know what I'm saying? And God is like, you got to realize this, that when, when, I'm, when you're in a valley, if I don't step in and immediately handle it, then understand I'm going to guide you. And as I guide you, it is going to bring one of the most ref refreshing, freeing, transformative experiences to your life that you could ever imagine. And you're going to see me and you're going to get stronger and stronger as you go through it. Are you with me? Look at what it says in verse four. And I'll set up no point number two. It says, so people from all the towns of Judah came to Jerusalem to seek the Lord's help. So we get verse 1 and 2 is the situation. Verse 3 is Jehoshaphat's response. Verse 4 says, All the people from the towns of Judah came to Jerusalem to seek the Lord's help. And this is number 2. Is he had other godly. Everybody say godly. Okay, with, now say it like with a big G. Godly. How many of you know what I'm saying? He had other godly people in his life that pray, that seek God, and walk it out with him. And walk it out with him. And you know, when you think about it, those that are closest to me affect my valley experiences. They affect them. They, they you know, they, they, they affect them. You know, you think about it, is I have, I love people. I'm, I just love people. I love, how many of y'all are, just love people. I just love people. And I have, I have what I'm going to call um, Twinkie friends. How many of you know what I'm saying? I mean, we, we have fun, whatever, whatever, whatever. But don't go to them for any kind of spiritual advice. 
You know what I'm saying? And then I got, how many of you are with me on that? There's nothing wrong with that. You know what I'm saying? There's nothing wrong with that. uh, You know, my wife, one of her favorite, favorite, favorite things to do is to ride bikes. She loves to ride bikes. And some of you are sitting there and you're like, oh, that's so nice. Your wife likes to ride bikes. You you ride around the neighborhood. Oh, you ride around the golf course. Oh, that's really, really nice. No, no, my wife likes to ride bikes like 20, 30, 40 miles. And she just, and, and, and so you realize this, that if I, if, um, if I say to her, baby, let's go on a bike ride, and I'll take you on a bike ride. She just, oh, oh, this is so, I can't hurt the, oh, the weather's perfect, everything's perfect, this is so, she's just like, you know what I'm saying, and so, and so she just, it's just like, it, how many of you are with me on that? She just, she, I love to ride bikes, but with motors on them. How many of you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I, I like, you know, I'm like, I got a motorcycle, you know? You say, why? Because God made me smart. No, <laughs> no. It, and so I, and so she'll be like, and so I said, baby, I'm, I'll take you. We'll, we'll go on a bike ride. And so, and I like riding bikes. I, I really do. But not as much as she likes to ride bikes. She really, really likes to ride bikes. And so um, last Friday, we, we, um, she, I told her earlier in the week, I said, babe, but we've been just so busy. On Friday, I'll take you for a bike ride. And she said, the Calhaven Trail. And I said, Calhaven Trail it is. We're going to Calhaven Trail, and we'll go to dinner. And she said, oh, how about if I call James and Eileen, see if they want to come, and we can all go bike riding. And she called James and Eileen, and they're like, uh, we'll meet you for dinner. <laughs> and not because they don't ride bikes, but they're just like, we're cool on the bike ride. We'll just meet you guys. Where do you want to eat? So we met, and, and so they, so, so. So we're riding on this bike. We're riding on this trail. And as we're riding, I'm riding and riding. And I'm like, usually when, when, um, when we ride, and this is not like any dig or anything, but I'm a faster rider than Jill is. And so a lot of times what happens is I ride and, and then I'm like, come on, baby, come on, catch up. And, and then she catches up or I'll ride and I'll get way ahead for a period of time and I'll stop, you know, and, and, and we're riding. And, but, she, but she just loves to just keep going, keep going. Well, on this ride, I was just like, I mean, she was saying that to me. Come on, get going. Come on, you're getting slow. Come on. She was cut. Well, you were saying to me, pick it up. Okay, this is an honest moment. How many? You didn't do it, but you did it. Yeah, come on. She would she say, come on. <laughs> well, what I hear is pick it up. Pick it up. How many of you? She would, yeah, she didn't say it like that, but she was like, come on. Come on. I'm like, and so I'm like, Lord, what's the deal? I'm like, what is the deal? And she did that a couple times, and after two miles, I'm like, what is going on? So I got off my bike, and I'm like, I'm looking at my bike. I find out that my back brake is half compressed. I mean, I I went to roll it, and it just, "Mm, mm." I didn't mean like a little. It was half compressed. And I didn't check it out. And then I looked, and it was half flat as well. And I'm like, baby, I figured it out. So then the rest of the bike ride was normal. You know what I'm saying? The rest of the bike ride was normal. Realize this, 
that when you're going through a valley experience, your relationships either give you fuel in the right direction or they drain you. It's like, wow, why am I? Why is it? What's the deal? I get to pick it. I get to pick it. You know, you think about it in our lives. We were created relational by nature. And I'm not talking about being critical of people. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not talking about being all judgmental. Oh, you're not spiritual enough. That's not what I'm talking about. But what I'm saying is this. When you're facing fear and you're in a valley experience, you got to pick those that are advising you and coaching you or it will drain your strength and you will be like, man, I don't know what the deal is. I don't know what's going on. And I think what I love about Jehoshaphat is he recognized that. And maybe today you're here and this is as far as I made it first service too. I have two more. I actually have more, but we're out of time. Stand up. What I love about, and we'll get into, we'll finish this up. But the first four things that God spoke to Jehoshaphat were all internal things. Things that affected his internal health. Things that he had to do on the inside. In order to, he was going to face it. God was going to lead it. God had planned, God had, had planned for a victory, but he cried out for guidance and God is guiding him, but he has to have the courage to lead and to do what God is guiding him to do. And I wonder today, how many of us, maybe you're here and you're, you're, you're facing fear in your life. Maybe you're here right now today and you got some things that are going down and you're just like, you know what? I just feel like all of the water got drained out of the bathtub. How many of you know what I'm saying? And you're just like in that spot. I want to encourage you right now that God wants you to seek him for guidance and he wants you to have relationships with people that are going to infuse you with faith, with hope, with strength, with God is a God of can do and it is the but God factor. How many of you know what I'm saying? But we have to stop and say, okay, God, I realize. And you say, well, why are you talking about this? Because valleys are part of life. And if we can get a grid on the inside of us that sets us up that when we go into a valley and as we unpack Jehoshaphat, we're going to see it. We all read the end, verse 23, 24, 25, and we all say we want that, but what we need, equally need to have is a heart that says, God, even though right now I'm going to have to walk this out, you're not going to rapture me out of it, but Lord, I'm going to make sure that my inside life is healthy, that I'm strong, that I'm connected and open to you. Just with every head bowed and every eye closed. Lord, I thank you for everyone right now that is here. God, I thank you for your refreshing over their life, your plan over their life, and your navigating over their life. Lord, we as 
humans, we as Americans struggle, but we see it equally through your word that whenever we have to go through something that is difficult, something that is unfair, something that maybe we don't like, uncomfortable, Lord, it can affect our perspective. And what you're wanting us to do, number one, is to embrace those seasons just as real as we embrace the mountaintop seasons, but to be way more intentional in those seasons about tuning in to you because you're desiring to guide us. You're desiring to lead us. And Lord, today we come before you. And Lord, I lift up everyone that is here right now. And Lord, maybe we're here today and we've been seeking guidance from all the wrong places. We've been seeking guidance that goes against your word and against your ways. Lord, today, right now, we ask you to help us to turn that wheel back to you. Or Lord, maybe we're here right now and Lord, we're in the middle of a valley and the close friends that we have are not helping, but they're putting options on the table that should not be options to our life. Lord, today we come before you and we recognize that you're with us, that you're leading us, that you're guiding us, but you want us to have courage to do the right thing. Lord, we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Everyone look at me for a moment. Do you have something, babe? There's a scripture that came to my heart, and it's about Job. And, you, you know, Job went through a lot in his life, and he was a righteous person. And the Bible says that he had lost. He lost his children. He lost his riches. He lost um, even his health. He got those boils and stuff. He had a lot of loss. But in, in Job um, chapter 19, verse 25, he said, I know my Redeemer lives. Do you love that song? Probably many of us have heard it. Can we say that today? Say, I know. I know. My Redeemer. That my Redeemer lives. lives. And in the end, he held on to God. He never blamed God. He trusted in God. He held on to God. And he even, even had friends that kind of were not the best friends. You know, they said, you probably sinned. You probably, you know, but he held on to God. And in the end, Job, everything turned around and Job got double in the end. God blessed him in the end because he held on to God. He didn't blame God, but he said, I know my Redeemer lives. Never forget it, church. No, we know that God is with us and that our Redeemer lives. In the name of Jesus, amen. You know, when you, sometimes some people read Job and, how uh, <laughs> I mean, Job's got some really good stuff, but it's kind of a bummer book. How many of you know what I'm saying? <laughs> a lot of us look and they're like, wow, Job was in that for years. All theologians agree that that entire experience was not more than 40 days, and some believe it was 20 days. So 20 to 40 days was that season in his life. Maybe you're in a season. That's okay, God's got you. I want everybody, you're here. 
And you're, maybe you're here visiting, maybe you've been here for a while, but you have never given your heart to Christ. You've never come into a relationship. See, Christianity is not about a bunch of do's and don'ts. Christianity is, yes, we as Christians, Christians should all, why Jesus went to church, we should go to church, all of the above. But Christianity, first and foremost, is what have I done with the person of Jesus? Have I asked him to forgive me of my sins, to come into my life, and to be the Lord of my life? You're here today, and you say, that's me. I've never done that, but I want to today. Just with every head bowed and every eye closed, you're here, and you've never asked Jesus to be the Lord of your life. I want to pray with you right where you're at. If that's you, on the count of three, I want you to lift your hand to the Lord. You say, why do you want me to lift my hand? Because I want you to come out of the comfortable place to say, Lord, I'm bold enough to say, yes, Jesus, I give you my heart. I give you my heart. If that's you, one, two, three, lift your hand to the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. I want to lead us all in this prayer. Say this with me. Say, Lord, I believe that you're God's son, that you went to the cross to pay for my sins and death couldn't hold you. You rose on the third day, revealing forgiveness. And I'm asking you, forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart. Be the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.